There's a song from Gracie's Corner. It's called the Juneteenth song, and my my guests were were educating me about where that song came from. And I'm going to introduce our guests. We've got Christine Schaffel the assistant coordinator of the Juneteenth Foundation and Destiny Owens, a CEO of the Juneteenth Foundation. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. you. Great to have you on the show today. And we're talking about Juneteenth that's coming up. And you were just telling me a little bit about the Juneteenth song. So I I don't know who of you wants to talk about where that came from because I hadn't heard it before. And you go, oh, this is Gracie's Corner. And I'm like, what is Gracie's Corner? (laughs) Yeah, no, Gracie's Corner is um, a show on YouTube and it's really, really cool. She's a young black girl and she teaches kids, you know, their ABCs, one, two, threes, phonics, like all these amazing things. Um, And then, of course, she came up with the Juneteenth song as well to kind of teach more about what Juneteenth is and why it's important and things like that for kids at their level. So it's really awesome for anybody to enjoy, as you all may heard have heard. Wonderful. Well, now you are the founder of the Juneteenth Foundation. Yes. Let's talk about what is Juneteenth. How did it come about? Because it's relatively new compared to a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So, and it's interesting you say that, right? Because Juneteenth is not necessarily new. It's just newly celebrated for like more of like the world, right? Or like the the country. Um, But Juneteenth is the celebration of freedom um, for people who were enslaved. Um, They were freed in Galveston, Texas, 1865. And... from that point forward, there's been a lot of different changes and a lot of different, you know, work put into making sure that Juneteenth could be a holiday. So um, when it became a holiday here in Minnesota, which is this year, it was a very big deal for a lot of people. Is this the first year it's officially a hospi- a holiday? Then? In Minnesota, yes. Okay. Yes. So from my understanding of it, um, it, it is a federal holiday so to speak Mm -hmm. but every state has an option of if they want to observe it or not Um, and so Minnesota is one of those states so I'm I'm happy to to be a Minnesotan at this point. (laughs) That's wonderful and you established this foundation called Juneteenth Foundation. Right. What is that? Yeah, thanks for asking. So the Juneteenth Foundation is a nonprofit organization that is focused on uplifting the black community as well as making equitable opportunities um, and making sure that there is like safe spaces, right, for the black community as well. There's a lot of different things that the Juneteenth Foundation focuses on. Um, so it's not just the celebration of Juneteenth, but the organization was named the Juneteenth Foundation because Juneteenth for the black community means freedom. And so there are so many things that we can do with freedom and so many things that we can do from the foundation of being free people. And so that's why it was named the Juneteenth Foundation. And so there's a lot of different things that the community will see from the Juneteenth Foundation, from the the Juneteenth celebration to offering scholarships for African-Americans who are furthering their education, whether it's a trade or they're going to community college or a university. Um, You know, if they want to be a mechanic and they just need a little help with that, whatever it is, we want to be able to support. Um, In the future, we do 
also hope to have some really wonderful programs for our youth, um, as well as, you know, really uplifting fathers and, and things like that, too, because um, we we appreciate black fathers in the black community 100 percent because they are there. Um in spite of what everyone might think, right? So right. Mm-hmm. so the organization itself is so amazing and, and everything that we are doing is extremely important. And I think um, my, my assistant, Christine, would, would agree that everything that we're doing is so important, especially in our region, um, because first of all, it's not been done before, but then also um, it, it creates some space right and and some conversations can be had so well now we've got the greater mankato diversity council so do you work with them or how does that you know do you work along with them or cooperate or is that completely different yeah so the diversity council is um i think different they're vision is more so on a little bit of like everyone whereas the Juneteenth Foundation we do work and collaborate with everyone but our goal is to make sure that there are safe spaces for the black community and we're uplifting the black community and helping the black community move along especially in a predominantly white area Um, and that was really important for me when I when I thought about you know, creating the foundation because I am not, you know, foreign to Mankato. I grew up here. Sure. And so I understand my experiences. And I know Christine herself has been here for a long time as well. So what is a safe space? I don't know what exactly that means. Mm -hmm. And so I don't mean to be naive, but... I'm not no, sure what no. you mean. And I love that you asked that question because here yet again, that's what I do through my business, right? Through True Essentials Consulting as well as the Juneteenth Foundation is to educate folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I say safe space, what I mean is sometimes, you know, black folks don't always have safe spaces to freely speak about how we feel, to share our experiences, to talk about our desires within a community, right? What would be helpful for our community and for our children? Um, What would be wonderful for us to see, you know, even in education for our children? We don't always get those spaces. And so the goal is to create safe spaces by working with other individuals and other organizations to make sure that whatever space we are in is a safe space. Um, And I wholeheartedly believe that the Juneteenth Foundation working with other organizations and other individuals can create those safe spaces. Now, you said you've lived here all your life. And Christine, how long have you been around the area? You've been in Minnesota or? Um, I've been here maybe 35 years. So so a little while. Right. (laughs) A little while. Well, so tell me, what was it like growing up as a black person in majority of white you know folks in the area was it um challenging did you have challenges i mean because when you're not in that space you don't you don't know what the other person is living right right no thanks for asking that question so for me there was a lot of challenges and it wasn't just me it was a lot of black individuals um i'll speak from the perspective of of being a child growing up here and then i'll let christine share her Mm -hmm. experience being more of an adult living in this space and coming into this space so just very quickly um it was very difficult for me right um a lot of the time i look around in my classroom and i was the only black student um but then also you know 
as time went on and it became a little more diverse, I would have thought that things would have changed, but it really didn't. People were still asked to touch my hair and I'm like, no, you cannot pet me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, and, you, and, like you're a kitten or right, something. Right, yes. <laughs> and, and I know people are like, well, what's wrong with that? But then there's that history of me having to teach people that at one point in time, black people were put in cages like mm-hmm. animals and, and gawked upon. There were human zoos and we were looked at as exotic creatures. So it, it's very demoralizing to ask a black person can you touch their hair or you know um, asking them different questions that it's not necessarily for education but you're just kind of you know trying to disguise it as education but really you know people were just being rude Um, and then a lot of the time you know my voice not being heard as a black student and it's sad to say that my own child has even experienced that you know being called today oh yeah last year he was in eighth grade and called the n-word by a teacher right and that teacher kept his job and so it was a lot of different things going on and still going on and so you know, we talk about creating those safe spaces. That's what I mean, right? Who is making these decisions? Who's at the table when you look around in a room? And I so I often tell people, if you look within your own friend group, if you cannot see people from different racial backgrounds, you have to check your bubble, right? Mm-hmm. Are you living in a bubble? What does that look like for you? Um, are you familiar with the experiences that black people in the Mankato area are having? Because that is a very important question being as though you know black folks are an extremely oppressed group of people yes there have been opportunities but we are still an extremely oppressed group of people um and so growing up here was was extremely difficult but i you know explain what that looks like to be difficult i mean you know to say difficult can mean different things to different people so yeah so when i say difficult um this is what i mean when i go out into the world I have to become a chameleon. A lot of people call it code switching, but I call it um, the chameleon effect. So not only do I have to change the way that I speak to be accepted in society and in certain spaces, but even the way I wear my hair and the way that I dress, it is expected that as a woman who does not get hair relaxers to make my hair straight, that I do get hair relaxers to make my hair straight to look professional and Mm. be looked at as presentable. Same thing with my clothing. You know, I am a woman who is quote unquote a sneakerhead. I love a good pair of sneakers (laughs) any day. Right. (laughs) So I would prefer to wear a cute pair of sneakers. But, you know, a lot of people, if I decided to walk into a meeting and I had on a suit, but I chose to wear sneakers instead of heels, they look at me and say, oh, my gosh. So not only do I have to deal with that as as a black woman but then also that's like super sexist right that to assume that like I want to wear a pair of heels just because I have a suit on right right um and so I think about that but then when I think about things that are difficult I also think about you know the conversations I have to have with my children before they leave my home right my sons I tell them all the time you cannot ride in this car with your hood on you cannot ride your bike with your hood on you need to be home before the street lights and for so long I couldn't understand why I had to grow up with be home before the street lights but historically we had sundown towns where we couldn't be in those towns after after oh. the sun went down we had um street light rule because it wasn't safe for black children to be outside after the sun went down you know for fear of some type of racial attack or or lynching of some sort right um and it's sad to say but even in this day and age it is still a concern for a lot of us as black parents and so as a kid i grew up with a lot of these things because 
it was difficult mm-hmm. and that's that was my reality right um and and thinking about all of the black women and missing black women and missing black children that go missing every year it's thousands and nobody ever talks about it right it doesn't get the headlines like a lot right. of others do right and you know we i grew up in rural wisconsin and we had one black mm-hmm. student and it was cuz he was adopted by white parents right. and that, and you know so he was the only kid in school and I, I can't imagine what that was like for him. Right. And and it's hard because then you don't get the cultural experiences, but then also people don't think about the differences that you have to face. Right. And so even for listeners who may be white and they adopt black children, love that baby. But the best way to love that child is to make sure that they have cultural experiences. Mm-hmm. They are rooted in their blackness and they understand it while also still loving you as their white parent because of the love you give them because your family through love. Right. Sure. So I always encourage people who adopt or people who have biracial children, make sure that they are rooted in their culture and history so that they understand and they don't have to be confused about who they are and where they belong. Right. Um, And so that's kind of what I mean when I talk about difficulty and, and, you know, growing up here and and things like that. Um, and I, I'll let Christine kind of share from an adult perspective yeah. coming into the the Mankato area. Yeah, Christine, what what's it been like for you? Has it? I mean, where did you come from to before Mankato? I came from Gary, Indiana. Okay, and then um, is that more diverse? Oh no, Gary, <laughs> Gary is. <laughs> oh no, apparently no, not. <laughs> okay, well, Gary is is I've never African American, pretty much. Okay, but um. I came here and uh, it was a good place to raise my children. When mm-hmm. when I came here, my my oldest, who is almost forty, he was maybe five oh, then. Sure. And um, it's funny that day that Destiny mentioned it because Destiny and my my daughter were the only two little children on the bus. Yes. <laughs> oh. Only t- and my daughter is a couple of years older than her, and it was the same uh, similar situation. She was the only African-American girl in her class. Mm-hmm. And so her and Deja stuck together. Um, yes. Deja and Destiny stuck together like glue. Yeah. Yes. And they became best friends. Uh, uh, if nothing else, it was because they had that same commonality in what they were dealing with as children. Um as as a parent, uh, I had to be more watchful of them in certain situations. Um, yes, they had the racial tension and things like that with with other children, um, but I didn't find it really really hard because of how I taught them. Pretty much how Destiny grew up, you know, just stay to yourself. You know, don't pick fights. You know, if you argue with people or whatever, go tell the teacher. Uh, Sometimes they would tell the teachers, but it wasn't acted upon. Right. Yes, absolutely. You know, so they had to suffer injustices, you know, and but I had to give them that love and that um, uh, surround them with with security. So they understood it was okay to be black. Right. Sure. How about you as an adult in living? Do you feel that it's been difficult for you being a black adult in a primarily white community? I've seen a lot of things change. Oh, good. I've seen a lot of things remain the same. Oh, sure. Uh, There are certain things that we will have to do ourselves. Mm -hmm. We cannot, as as African-Americans, I mean, Mm -hmm. we cannot depend on other people to open certain doors for us. 
we will have to be men and women of action. We cannot look at problems and situations and say, oh, that's so bad. We need this and we need that. No, it starts with you. It starts with me and her. Right. Pointing to destiny. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's right. I get it. <laughs> and um, the seed that I, I learned recently that you plant the seed, but you may not be the one to see the harvest of it right and so as we go about in in our in our lives and we're changing things and we're making people aware of certain certain situations we may not see that change come about in in our age but if we keep working and if we keep um uh, encouraging other people to get up and do something. Make your voice heard. Speak to people. Go to your boss if things isn't right. Go to your employer. Tell somebody about it. Speak about it. And don't just cover things up. Then change will come. You know, you mentioned that it was 1865 in Galveston, Texas, that the sort of the history goes back to. And, yes. you know, I'm hoping that things have changed somewhat from, from then in your, your mind. But like you said, it's a ways to go. So you guys have established the first statewide Juneteenth celebration that's being launched in St. Peter. So I want to talk a little bit about that, yes. celebrating your history. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk about that. What is it? When is it? Yeah, How do we yeah. celebrate with you? Okay, so the first year that the celebration was had, it was last year, and it was in St. Peter, Minnesota, same as this year. Um, and so this is the second annual Minnesota Statewide Juneteenth celebration this year. Okay. Um, and it will be a two day event. We always try to do two days because there's so much to celebrate, right? So on Saturday from 11 to 5 is the celebration in St. Peter at the St. Peter Community Center and that Gorman Park right there, that area right there. Um, There will be a lot of things from really great barbecue to um, free haircuts and free hairstyles. Um, There will be uh, tabling so people can come and learn about a lot of different organizations that are in our community. There will be live musical performances. Um, There is still time for people to nominate someone for Mr. and Miss Juneteenth. We have um, an opportunity for that for adults and for youth, eighth grade to um, high school seniors. Now, what does that mean to be a Mr. and Mrs. Juneteenth? What are the criteria? So if somebody thinks like, oh, I know somebody. Yeah. So they can nominate someone. It just has to be a black individual. Someone that they think is worthy to wear a crown for such a celebration okay um and so we just look for someone who for the youth it has to be an eighth grade student to a high school senior um and then for an adult it's 18 plus um and there's no um no like age like cap off right like if you think someone is 70 and you think that they're Mm -hmm. amazing and they've been you know a a great pillar in our community they can wear that that crown or that tiara so um that's open for for them as well do they have to do talent show or no 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 they you know i'm picturing like the u.s you know miss usa or something like we gotta dance we gotta sing we gotta no no so there's a there's a form that people can fill out they can find it on the facebook event page they just click that link and and um, they fill out that form for that. So there's still time to do that. Our deadline to cut that off. Um, we're trying our best by like Friday morning, Friday morning, just so that we can like go through all the applications and look to see who was who was nominated. Yeah. 
Um, and then we also have a scholarship opportunity for our black youth who are, you know, pursuing things or even black adults who are like, OK, I want to go back to school or I want to get a trade or something like that. So there's um, some scholarship opportunity there. Uh, we also have obviously like volunteer opportunities available if people want to be a part of this, you know, and, and just come and do that. Um, what time is all this? You said it's at the eleven Saint, to five. Okay, St. Peter Community Center and the Gorman Park area. Yep, eleven a.m. to five p.m. And this is the Saturday, so all that will just be taking place. Yes, yep, all that will be taking okay. place on Saturday, um, June seventeenth. And so we'll have a Father's Day basketball tournament. That has been something that we started last year, and I plan to continue on doing that. Yeah. Like I said, in the Black community, we love to honor and uplift our fathers, and so we'll do that. And we have a very special surprise for all the fathers in attendance so please make sure that you come it now, when is, is the basketball thing so the basketball tournament is from like 3 30 to 5 on saturday okay um and so we have so many wonderful and great things going on um during that day we'll have a really wonderful like cadillac car club that comes down so people will be able to experience that um, they might see people jumping double dutch because that's big in the black community. You never know. So just a lot of fun things that we're going to have going on um, and people will not want to miss that. So that's Saturday. Is there more than on Sunday? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So well, so actually it's on Monday. Oh, so so, so Monday Sunday. Yep. Okay. So Monday, the actual day of Juneteenth. Right. We decided to do some of the actual day of Juneteenth and it's from 4 to 8 p.m. Okay. There is a play called the Kumbaya play, the Juneteenth story and um, that play is going to be so amazing because it tells the actual story of Juneteenth oh. um, there is a link again on the event page for people to register registration is free and that event will be at the St. Peter High School okay and when is that um, play so the play so there's an hors d'oeuvre hour people can come and kind of talk and mingle from about four till about five fifteen. okay and then we all start heading to our seats and the play starts around about five thirty. who's doing the play like are they local folks or? so actually we partnered with the minnesota humanities center um one of their employees rose mcgee is amazing she is also the founder of sweet potato comfort pie uh, an, another nonprofit organization and and so we partnered with her. Um, she's been trying to get the play down here for for a while and kind of reaching out in the okay. community. And so um, we actually ended up reaching out to her to like partner with us for some things and see if they wanted to be a part of anything. And she's like, oh, we have this play. And I was like, oh, that's going to be amazing. So um, these actors are very talented people. They've been doing this for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And we have hundreds of seats to fill. So I am inviting the whole community to come out and come and watch this play and it is for everyone youth can come adults can come um and and it's going to be such an amazing time it's it's i'm so excited so about it monday 4 to 8 p.m in st peter at the high school so that's good to know hold on a moment i need to let folks uh do our id th yes. that it is two minutes past 11 and you are listening to a minnesota morning on the maverick at kmsu radio 89.7 fm in mankato and kmsk 91.3 fm in austin online at kmsu.org broadcasting from the campus of minnesota state university mankato big ideas and real world thinking and with us right now we've got two 
of the founders of the Juneteenth celebration here in St. Peter. It's the second year that they've been doing this. It's Christine Schaffel and <laughs> Destiny Owens. And uh, Destiny is the CEO of Juneteenth Foundation. And uh, Christine is the assistant coordinator of the Juneteenth Foundation. Talking about some of the events starting on Saturday. And that is at the St. Peter Community Center with a barbecue, even free haircuts. Uh, they'll have tables that give you information. They'll have music, all sorts of things. And that's from 11 till 5 p.m.? Yes. Yep. Okay. And then the actual day of, which is Monday, Juneteenth, is from 4 to 8 p.m. at the high school in St. Peter. Uh, they'll be doing the, the play called the Kumbaya Play. And this is probably a dumb question, but, you know, growing up as a kid, we always did the Kumbaya, my Lord. Mm -hmm. Is there some history of the song related to the Kumbaya Play, or is it completely a separate thing? Um, I love that you bring that up. So, really... Um, in in the black community, right? Kumbaya is a very old song and it just means come by here, my Lord, come by here. And um, it was actually a battle cry for slaves during that time. Oh. And it was kind of like, Lord, protect me. Lord, keep me, um, you know allow the people who are trying to persecute me to to fall before me right and not be harmed by them and so it was more of a battle cry during that time um, but the song is definitely super important and so I think that's one of the reasons why you know Kumbaya the the Juneteenth story is received the name that it received and why it's so important for people to come in and watch and experience um, and again, I think it's going to be an amazing time and, and something really great for our community to have here. Well, you know, when I grew up, I think I learned it when I was in the Brownie Club. Brownies, mm. you know, Girl Scouts Brownies. Right. Yeah. And we were never given a context for the song. It was just like something you did around a campfire. So yeah. I appreciate that you are explaining the context, which I think a lot of times is what's lost in, in translation, in, yes. In, yeah, in history and that sort of thing. So a lot of things, um, you're bringing the education piece of it, which I know is very important to you. Absolutely, yes, yes. Um, and that and that's, you know, again, why I do what I do professionally and, and with the Juneteenth Foundation, because I, I strongly believe that education is extremely important, right? And when learning about other cultures, especially the black culture, there's so much that has not been taught that, you know, there's a lot of things that's left out, right? Like the African-American culture only exists because when people were brought here from Africa, everything they knew was stripped from them. So we kind of had to create our own our own culture here in America. Um, and so there's a lot of things that's lost in, in translation. There's a lot of things that's lost um, in, in education and things like that if people don't know right what what has been happening behind the scenes for hundreds and thousands of years um and so learning for for people to come to you know these celebrations it's all about learning right like i said one of the things that we love to do with the juneteenth foundation is teach right i do that with true essentials consulting all day long you know i help organizations businesses individuals um learn more about blackness and the black community and you know thinking about diversity in that way and so the goal is to have everyone feel welcome and you know I want people all over Minnesota to know they are welcome to come to the Juneteenth celebration and to hang out with us and learn more and it's always a great time right like the goal is a great time when when we were planning everything one of the things that Christine and I both were thinking about was okay we want this to be like a cookout 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, some people have barbecues, right. black people have cookouts. Okay. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> it. it's, it's, and people are like, well, what's the difference? And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many differences. Okay. You know, like I said, like there's double Dutch, you might have spades, you might have dominoes going on. Oh. Um, a lot of the time you'll have, you know, you'll see like the kids playing and they'll have their water balloon fights going on. You know, you'll see adults having conversations and even adults will come and do double Dutch competitions with the kids and, you know, jump rope and it'll just be such an amazing time. There's so many jokes that are cracked in just a loving environment. Okay. And I love when people come to the celebration because then they can experience the real experience of being immersed in black culture. Because I think a lot of you know, a lot of the time people have commercialized Juneteenth and right. it and it's like, oh, well, we have this speaker coming to speak about this and we have the speaker coming to speak about that. Whereas we would more so like to make sure that Juneteenth is truly a celebration. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not coming to be lectured. You're coming to be immersed in black culture and black experience. Everything from art to to, you know, and, and art, a spectrum, right. Music, painting, photography, you know, a little bit of all of that. The you experience the black experience right there will be a black barber and a black hairstylist there black barbers cut hair very differently and people don't think about things like that no right no really black hairstylists most of the time are way more versatile as far as like whose hair they can do they can do any hair texture usually sure they learn that because it's very important to to know that um and it's not always that the same way on the other end like i said i grew up here and the only person that could do my hair was my mom thank goodness she's a hairstylist right <laughs> um otherwise oh man it, it would be really really tough for me we'd have to go to the cities to get our hair oh done. yeah for a very long time that very was that time. was the truth around here you know it's interesting you you mentioned that i started at the university back in 1998 and mm-hmm. the president at that time one of the things he heard students black students saying yes. was you know you go to stores and we have special needs for our hair i mean yes. we just can't go anywhere so that was one of the things he did as the president was have someone work with the stores to make sure because you don't just get your general mousse and you know like right what you put in your hair you've got special products and things and so i mean that was back in 98 but just think that's not that long ago really that there was nothing it was kind of like yeah we don't we don't have anything for them who cares you know that kind of thing and so i think it's that hopefully those things have changed a bit yeah yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely i think in the mankato area those have changed a bit right um and we're a bigger community so i'm guessing in a rural area maybe i'm wrong but maybe it's not as in rural areas it's still a little tough right mankato is looked at as like the big city for them right so (laughs) if you have black people living in a rural area they have to come over to Mankato yeah. to get their hair done or to get their hair care product. Sure. Yeah. yeah. What can people do to be more welcoming in general to black population? I mean, because like you said, it's a different culture. We're not used to it. And right. how do we be more welcoming so we don't come across as being jerks? Or yeah. Whatever? Yeah. No, I'll let Christine start with this and then I'll end it. Okay. <laughs> well, <clears throat> one thing to, to realize is that there is a difference I, I just want to say this. There is a difference in African Americans and black people. Okay. And um, a lot of times we're just grouped together. Yeah. But there is a difference, although we are sisters and brothers, right? But uh, in, my, in, in my eyesight, just to be more welcoming is just be kind, be loved. Mm-hmm. I learned that this weekend. Be loved. Um, and, and to treat people the way you would want to be treated. 
Um, when when I got here years ago, <clears throat> um, I never will forget. White people would come up to me and talk and say, "Hello, how are you?" And and I I love that because um, it made me feel welcome. Sure, I don't see that as much now. Mm-hmm. Really Mm-mm. interesting. Yeah. No, I don't see that mm-hmm. as much now. But there were so so small. It was such a small group then oh. that we we were uh, I don't I don't know how to say it but they may have wanted to reach out now the population is, is common now yeah. so so now you you're kind of in your in your corner now oh sure but uh, another thing I it's, oh, so much I would I would like to say on that that subject but another thing is if you are in a position of power treat that and treat an, an african-american the same and there is so much that i can say about that from job salaries mm-hmm. to promotions to um you know uh team leaders and things like that you know it you go in a in a job interview you don't see the same people right. in upper management right. that, that and, and there's the lie we can say to that um but, you know, if you're in a person of power, treat everyone the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's good advice for everybody any, anyway. Right. I mean, really. Yeah. So, you know, when I when I think about that question, um, I I would have to say first it starts with, you know, self. Right. Um, I think people have to look within themselves and just generally ask. Right. Just and, and be honest with themselves. Right. Am I a kind person to everyone, right? And think about the encounters and the interactions that they've had with black people. How do I treat black people when I see them? Do I speak to black people? Do I move out of the way as if I'm afraid of black people? Um, When I see black people, do I instantly think about a stereotype right away, right? Um, When I see black people, do I think, oh, okay, you know, they're just like, they're just like me um, as far as them being human. But I also understand that they have some differences and some challenges, right? Um, and, And not being threatened by recognizing that, right? And being okay with that. Because I've seen and experienced instances where, you know, things like the Juneteenth celebration, right? We shared it and did some ads on Facebook and there were a lot of like, there were like some mad faces on those posts. And I was like, why? But for whatever reason, people, you know, they feel threatened when black folks talk about equality and equity, right? And so I think when we talk about that kindness towards black people, right, just think about that. If you were in that position, if the tables were turned and white people were being treated this way, how would you want to be treated, right? Um, also to think, you know, would I want to be treated the way black people are treated in this country? An amazing woman, Jane Elliott, asked that question um, to a lot of people in a classroom and nobody raised their hand. And to me, that means that that's a problem. Mm. We know that there's something wrong then. And so to this day, she asked this question many years ago. She used to be a, a teacher in, in elementary school. And she asked this question a long time ago. And the question is still very relevant because so many people would say no. 
And so when we talk about kindness, that's that's where I think people have to come from, right? Would you want to be treated the way this whole group of people is being treated? And and like what, what Christine said, you know, we are not a monolith. We are not all the same, right? And some some black people have even resorted to speaking against other black people, but that is a way for them to survive, right? Because they feel like, well, if I side with the the, mm-hmm. the people who are considered to be the majority, and they're not, right? But they're considered to be the majority. They then then maybe I'll be safe. Maybe I'll be okay. It's it's a tactic. It's kind of like when slave patrols started, and they would have a black person patrol the other slaves, mm. right? To 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 say, well, I mean, if you kind of patrol them and tell on them, if somebody escapes, you know, you'll be safe and you'll be good to go. And they got just a little more privilege. Sure. So thinking about you know the history and all the things that black folks have been through, and thinking about epigenetics and how trauma has been passed down through our genes literally from generation to generation and and we've had to be a people who have pressed forward pressed upward pressed on um and it has not always been easy but if you know it's a person who's encountering black individuals and they are not a black person themselves and they have you know a a voice and an opinion that people will listen to if they are in a position of power in a workspace being okay with speaking up if they see something that's not right um and not being afraid to do that you know i tell people all the time like it's not just about that kindness but it's about being more than an ally it's about being an accomplice Mm -hmm. right an accomplice is somebody who's doing something with you right and so those are the things that I think about when I think about you know that kindness right like it and people are more empathetic when it's a child but there needs to be that empathy when it's an adult too because we are all human people I think Mr. Rogers kind of had it right when I mean he was kind of like kind to everybody (laughs) in the neighborhood and and sort of that whole attitude uh, that 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 he kind of carried on I, I don't know why I just thought of Mr. Rogers, but I always no, think of kind. Well, I think of kind when I think of no, and that's and that's absolutely correct. And if people look at things historically, Black people have always been welcoming, even to other people of different racial and cultural backgrounds, regardless of how we've been treated. Which, in turn, you know, people are like, man, like some people have asked me, like, how are you not so angry? <laughs> like, well, and I've there, seen and there are people who come across as being angry. That the, the stereotypical angry person you know yeah. and and so if you see that then you think well some people say well they're all like that right or, right we are can, all can i mention something yes to that? please when <clears throat> when you when we stand up for our right our rights we are considered the angry black woman or the angry black person mm-hmm. um we may be because we talk with our hands yes <laughs> i do too <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes yes but you know it's it it may look that we are aggressive or intimidating or intimidated intimidating Mm -hmm. but we talk with our hands and so it may appear that we are more aggressive and things like that but that's just normal that's just to our culture passionate yeah and we're passionate but when you i i feel that when you speak up for yourself it's considered you know the angry black person. Or I think like, women oh, in general you know, have had that women, too. If, oh, if, you're, if you're a if you're a, a woman and you're assertive, mm-hmm. you're 
whatever. But if you're a man, you're you're just confident. Yeah, yeah, yes. absolutely. But a woman yes. might be considered absolutely. aggressive or something. Kind of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And so there's a lot of different layers to that, especially being a black woman. Um, you know, we have to deal with not only the racism but the sexism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and people see black women and they're like, oh, black women are just so strong. They're so strong. And and to speak to that, we are. However, we are also very gentle and delicate. Mm-hmm. Um, Just like every person has their own, you know, personality, right? right. Yeah. And Everybody. historically, black women have been have had to be, you know, strong. Back during the slavery times, they would, you know, beat and whip husbands and sons in front of the black women and and they would have to tell their husbands or their sons to kind of give in and or either the family would be split up so then the black woman would have to take a lot of responsibility on her shoulders and kind of become the protector and the yeah. provider the things that she should not have to be but had to be um, and so when we talk about you know the black community and like I said we, t- we talk about kindness we have to think about all of these things and people have to come out of their bubble especially in our region right come right. out of that bubble and understand and know that the things that you don't experience it does not mean that other people do not experience them right I've heard people say some really ignorant things like well black people have opportunity look at all the black people that are wealthy and I'm like Right. But like that's like a handful of folks, you know, <laughs> or or, you know, we, we maybe 10 at best. Right. But but what did they have to do to get there? Sure. You know, how how have they, they had to scratch and claw? And was it entertainment? Right. Because a majority people are like, oh, you know, you have somebody like, for example, like a LeBron James. Right. Who was a billionaire <laughs> and a woman was like, shut up and dribble. How demoralizing. Right. As a man who worked his whole life at his craft, and not only that, but gives so much effortlessly and tirelessly back to the community he came from. He literally opened up a school where he came from, for goodness sake. And on top of that, he is a very devoted husband to his wife. He's never, like, took her through turmoil. He's a black father who's present for his children. And out of all the things she could say, shut up and dribble was that. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like goodness gracious you know so then black people feel like like my grandmother would say i can't win for losing right you know (laughs) you know just just so so it's 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 although there's been a lot of progress right um there's still so much more work to be done and it takes a village of folks but i think back to your question right about the differences or the similarities between the juneteenth foundation and maybe the diversity council this is why the Juneteenth Foundation exists because there is not an organization in our area that focuses on the needs of black people um, specifically and and what can be done and how we can work together as a community to make sure that those things are done. And it it doesn't mean that the Juneteenth Foundation is not there for everyone. We are open for everyone. However, our main goal and our main focus is to uplift the black community, make sure that people are being more educated and they have safe spaces and, you know, kids are learning and there's education about, you know, black history and all these amazing things, right? And, and providing opportunity. That is one thing that Christine will tell you about me i am very big on providing opportunity destiny where can people find this information before we run out of time here so where do you go on the the web to find information about juneteenth the events this weekend in saint peter 
Yeah, so so there is a Facebook event page, and that would be the best place to, to so go. What's it Where, under, though, specifically? So you could look up um, the Minnesota Statewide Juneteenth Celebration, and you will find that on Facebook. Um, so you just type in the Minnesota Statewide Juneteenth Celebration? Yes, and okay. there is an event, and it'll take you right to the event page. Okay. All of the information is there. Um, and if you're on Facebook, you probably have seen our ads and stuff, too. Sure. Um, and so... It'll be a lot of, you know, information. There's even a link on the event page where you can watch a snippet of, of the play, mm-hmm. excuse me, of the play. Okay. And so there's a lot of information out there about it. Well, I hope you get a, a lot of folks. So you wanted to say one more thing, Christine? Yeah, I, I just wanted to give two shout outs, if okay. I may, because sure. we have not brought these two into um, in, uh, businesses up. I wanted to give a shout out to the Stanley Smokehouse who will be doing the soul food. Oh, sure. And uh, mm-hmm. they are amazing. We yeah. have a, a, a great meal. We will have food for purchase yep. there. And then also I want to give a shout out to our DJ Reese. Yes. Who is coming and he will bring the soul food, not soul, soul food, but music soul for your music. Soul. <laughs> music for your soul. There you Wonderful. go. Wonderful. Well, thank you both. Yeah. We've been chatting with Destiny Owens, who is the CEO of the Juneteenth Foundation and uh we have been talking with Christine Schaffel. There you go. I did it, right? The assistant coordinator of the Juneteenth Foundation. I hope you have a great event and uh, Thank you. happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you, Karen. All right. It is 23 after.